Good evening and welcome to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about Rear Window. You no trouble. Me, Fifth Element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. We're your host. I am Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, Mr. Jared Callen. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing good, sir. And Mr. Mike Griggs. What's up? What's up? Mr. Wahid Al-Khalazmi. What up, Brian? And for the first time ever, we have a costume designer in our midst, Kristen Jones. Nice. Hello, hello. Now, but before we get started, before we start talking about the movie, I, I, I just want to ask, because we've never had a costume designer on before, what is a costume designer and what is the difference between costume and wardrobe? So that's a great question. Um, a costume designer is someone who is basically the creative in charge of the entire wardrobe. It's the head of the department it's, and, and whoever the costume designer is, is in charge of all of the little individual pieces. And so if someone is just in the wardrobe department, they are obviously involved in some capacity depending on whatever their job title is, but they don't usually have control. Uh, and that's really the difference between wardrobe and costume design uh, or costume designer. So it's the difference between like, oh, you should show up in a, a blue T-shirt versus you saying, no, I need you to wear this particular okay, thing so that yeah. I picked out for you. Yeah, that's really great because, no, a costume designer would not just be like, hey, show up in this T-shirt and wear it, make it blue. Um, that's not it. It's like a well thought out. It's like there's, you know, designs, there's a lookbook, there's like a whole thing um, and a whole thought process behind it. There's a whole psychology behind it. It's really reading the script and understanding who the characters are and how they would dress. Uh, because really, when you look at the character, uh, you want to know, you want to have a sense of who they are in whatever, whatever that means, whether that means, you know, they're like this rich, tacky person, or if they're like some poor, you know, bookworm, whatever, like whatever the case may be, um, there's a way to address that so that when you look at them, you know exactly what that character is going to be. Informs the audience right away, shorthand. Right. Right, because like, I mean, that's kind of what, I mean, that's generally the whole goal, like in, in life, most people 
don't typically do that though. They just, you know, most people throw on like jeans and a t-shirt. Um, but even then there's variety there that really kind of displays your personality. You know, most people, I think it's, you form an opinion uh, within 20 seconds and it's all based on appearance. And most of that is your clothes. So that the, the clothing is really, important to the whole character and to the whole look of the film so like a, a high-powered lawyer walks on screen but they've got like an ill-fitting suit and a cheap shirt you're like are you really that high-powered lawyer Versus, right and so yeah that's the thing is is it, let's say you do have a high-powered lawyer uh but there's something going on well you can convey that through clothing whether that is an ill-fitting suit or whether there's a stain on the clothing there's so many different ways that you can convey that there's something going on through clothing Dude, and that's a great segue into this film because all the characters in this film, I just uh, close. dude, yes, and I, I fucking figured out who, what their stature in life is based on the clothes they were wearing. Okay, before we get into all of the clothes, which we should totally talk about, um, I just want to point out (laughs) that the costume design on this film was done by Edith Head who is like the costume designer, and all of you should probably know who she is because the Incredibles. Well, I mean, you should know who she is in general, but The Incredibles, the Edna who did the super suits is yeah. based on Edith Head. That's who she is. Oh, my God. God. I could totally Mind see it now that you said that. Right I did now. not know Absolutely. that, though. Yep. Mind blow. Yeah. Didn't know that either. Nice yeah. piece yeah. of trivia. That's, that's oh, okay. perfect comparison. Yeah. God damn. So. We should have had you on this podcast. <laughs> I could totally see it with the haircut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That black hair yeah. would just cut that perfectly. Yeah. I could totally see it. So what was everyone's favorite? Outfit. I'm just curious. Oh, we're getting into that right away. <laughs> oh, uh, Grace Kelly's uh, green suit was the best. Oh, her green oh, suit. Green yeah, the green like uh, three piece. Like, you know, she had the little, know, little green vest over top of the white blouse, and it may be the first uh, like it may be the, the you know the sexy old school like uh, soft lens look that they use on her. But that like white dress that she's wearing when she comes in, she talks about how it's like a thousand dollars and all that. Dude, it looks so good. Yeah, yeah, dude. yeah dude. She's so, she looks so good there. It's what is such a great entrance. Dude, in my notes, literally goes, "Oh my god!" I, I literally was watching that film and I went, "Oh my god, Grace Kelly's so beautiful." I think I this is like, the first film I've ever seen. How? How did I forget? Oh, really? <laughs> she's that fucking beautiful. <laughs> She wasn't yeah, active I mean, I, very long because she married that prince and then she kind of stopped working after that. Well, she didn't really have to, did she? That, yeah. Nope, she married a prince. She's a princess, bro. <laughs> like, she literally. Died in a car crash. Oh, yeah. she, she, she died in a she car was crash? Like 52 or something like that. Wow. Like, she's yeah. so young, man. It sucks. But she did, uh, she did two other movies with Hitchcock. She did Dial in for Murder and um, what was the other one? Uh, it's not as good. She and the Birds. To Catch a Thief. No, that's uh, Tippy Hitchcock. Oh, uh, Okay, okay. No, uh, yeah. To Catch a Thief. That's the other one she did. With Cary yeah. Grant, yeah. That one's not very good. Although it's got probably, like, you know, <laughs> one of those famous movie moments where they're getting ready to have sex and they cut to fireworks. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> subtle. I was, I, I was going to say, it did, it, did, it did establish, no, hey, man, that was brand new, bro. Yeah. They, they, they established a cutting method to, uh, you know, rated our content. For- the implications of uh, montage. 
this movie is perfect for so much of that. Well, there, 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 there's a lot of stuff I was kind of surprised that they were doing. Well, like especially that one girl who keeps showing her ass, and then dude, there's there's all kinds of innuendo oh, stuff dude, going on. Dude, the hot blonde, <laughs> that's yeah. a ballet dancer. Yeah, ballet dancer. She's Force constantly hell showing her ass. Yeah, dude. I know. I love. I dude. I don't. I, I cannot wait to start talking about the blondes in this film. Hell yeah. <laughs> I am gonna get canceled. I am gonna get canceled after this fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> it starts with the girls getting like uh, the nude sunbathers and the helicopters like uh hovering yeah, over yeah. them to get a, get a look what, what was that helicopter shot like was that a was that a composite like, yeah it was interesting it felt like it had some wobble in the in the plate um but yeah it, it's cool especially for the time there, there's some there's some like special effects in this movie oh yeah dude there's some really cool stylized like uh with the the flash bulbs like how you see that effect oh, yeah yeah, yeah. It's very, I'd say it's very cutting edge. Oh hell, there's even that where he gets pushed out at the end, and that that whole like you know thing where, you know where they had. I guess they went in and like hand cut all that, and yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. Hand cut all that. Like you're talking about when he falls. Like out of the when window? he falls out of the window, and they composite him out, and then he has that like scene where he's falling, and then I think they shot him on blue screen because you can see like the kind of bluish tint around him versus like the rest of the color in the frame. Yeah. Really. But dude, that's 1952. I'm not sitting there fucking judging that. That's oh no, 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 that's what I'm like saying. It's impressive yeah. for the time. Is yeah. what I'm saying. No, 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 no. It was 54. 1954. They had much better technology by then. Oh, okay, bitch. <laughs> Computers didn't fucking exist, motherfucker. Alan Turing's shit is only like eight years old. It was still fucking tape to tape. Actually, it wasn't even that. War of the Worlds like came out two years before this, though, and that's like the first big special effects film. Uh, so it, it was blue screen even back this far. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Disney uh, the green really started didn't, that Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the green didn't really start coming in, coming in until, like, video came in. Because it handles better on digital than it does analog. And that, that's a skin tone um, mm-hmm. thing, right? But that was with yep, earlier cameras, right? Because they couldn't... It was something uh, to do with w- the, the blue was, channel like, and the skin tones. Well, yeah. it, it, it was because a lot of people started shooting on beta. And they were like, oh, we can green screen the shit on beta. And beta couldn't handle fucking blue very well oh green, okay. way better and so really right now green screen is dumb like if you're shooting on alexa you should use a blue screen it's way better another advantage to green is that you can wear a lot of blue like so if, if you said yeah, seriously though but if you, another, if you got, another advantage for blue you can wear a lot of green bitch it's no that is thing. true no that is <laughs> true one in time that is that is the whole point of, of switching whatever that is true it is you're, you're gonna chroma key out whatever Fuck that. have you guys have you guys seen that. silver Dude, silver, a silver screen. Silver screen. It's fucking awesome. Actually, you don't even have to do any of that stuff, dude. Like, dude, pulling just, luma keys. Based yes, on the, yeah. Luma keys sure. is the way that it's gonna start going in about five years. Everything you're gonna see is gonna be like luma shit. Really? It's not gonna be green and yeah. Dude, I'm gonna have done that for like replacements and stuff like that. So I mean, it's, it's already no a because thing, but. yeah. Well, it's already a thing, but it's gonna become more of a thing because more and more of our shit is being integrated with technology as far as films. Yeah, and uh, everything is gonna now start having like second plot lines and interactivity and all that shit. They're gonna shoot all that shit. It's much, much, much faster to go on that with Luma and way better keys. Oh, for sure. I'm also seeing these uh, these head to toe video walls like they did in the Mandalorian, but I saw um, on online they actually have these smaller stages that would be about the size of your studio, Wahid, and it would be uh, a, a video wall, and then they they bring in a crane, and the crane is is t- attached to the wall, and as the crane moves, the it the background rotates. moves with it. Yeah. yeah. So so you're so yeah. and and it's it's live time rendering in the Unreal Engine 
whatever you want right there. And that that's available for small studios. I think I think it's a half million dollars to get in. It is, but yeah. but you know it's oh, still it's still million. right there. No, I'm just saying, but it's still right there though. Hey it, man, it's for, insane. For, for 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 business, that's a low cost point of entry right there, man. Yeah. So it, what do you what do you think? Uh, let's let's bring it back around to this film. What do you think he would have done if he had had some of that technology back then? None of that shit. He'd be our modern day <laughs> fucking Christopher Nolan. I bet you he was <laughs> the one built like, the entire thing. Yeah, but he that yeah. Matt. I mean, maybe that not was in the background. Like he he built that whole yeah. But well, I mean, like he he did rear projection stuff for some of his other films. This 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 film is super impressive just because it's a giant stage. Like it, it's so cool to yeah. see. Um, it doesn't ever feel like a stage to me. It feels like you're you're literally in a, in a New York block of of apartments. It's yeah, it's so cool that like it, it's all basically shot from this dude's window. Like yeah. the fact that they can keep that interesting and entertaining is, I mean, that's amazing. I don't know. The first time I watched it, I thought it felt like a play. Like well, I, a little bit. But that's yeah. insane, yeah, a little bit. You think it, you thought this felt like a play? Kind of. Yeah. It really? feels like a play. Yeah, Brian. No, yeah. I don't. I don't feel that. The way it's so directed in its point of view of Jimmy Stewart, I just always feel like I'm just looking at what he sees. Like it's so locked into his vision that the only time that you're cutting outside of uh, just either seeing him or his answer shot, it's it's extremely jarring. Like when the dog dies, or at the very end of the movie. Um, you know, when the killer comes attacks Jimmy Stewart, there are these really weird cuts of like uh, Miss Torso and uh, Miss Lonely Heart, and they're just just so bizarre because you're jumping out of that perspective. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, think you're talking about like when the dog dies and you see you see Miss Lonely Heart's looking up, yeah, you see her reaction like shot. That's like the only time that you're looking back in that direction, yeah, and it's so jarring. Yeah, every single that. else is it's either it's always from the perspective of his apartment. I do think the I do agree. Like the ending, the when it, once everything starts happening, and you lose that perspective, I think that's when it's you're kind of I don't know I, I like I'm still interested in it. I want to know what happens because obviously it's the climax. But at the same time, I just really hated how they changed the point of view. It just it kind of lost something. I think. I I don't I don't know. Like I well, you I, had to because he went it. out the window at that I, point, I, right? No, you had <laughs> to, but uh, I don't know. I think it could have been done differently. Yeah, you could not have him, uh, you know, have the cops show up there as opposed to, like, having throw out the window. But that would be less exciting, though. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, I don't know, man. Even even those cuts, they're good. They're, they're, like, to remind us as the audience, like, hey, yeah, we get it. You're from his perspective, but these people actually have their own lives. So to me, it read well. It read okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I love that at the very end when he, like, gets a life. And you kind of, you know, the camera kind of pans out and you see that everyone else is like going on with their life. They're not just like stuck because it's almost like they're stuck in this like limbo when he's watching them. And that you can see like Miss Torso's boyfriend comes home. Yeah, the nerdy little fucker. Of course he would be. Great fucking choice there, Alfred Hitchcock. (laughs) Thanks for giving the working man a fucking dream. He's like, yeah, man, I'm going to go to war, come back, get me a fucking hot blonde and sleep with nobody. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's like, he's uh-huh. like, the army sure has made me hungry. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I cannot, I cannot wait to super dive into this fucking film about all the awesome shit about it, dude. There's a lot of fucking crazy shit that's ahead of its time. But with all that said, fucking, okay, plot line. Like, someone summarized this shit for our audience that... 
is gonna like listen to this and we're gonna convince them to go watch this film man do you need to summarize this i think this is one of the most ripped off plots in like film like history like uh Fright that's Night why that, rips this that's off, why i right? said that, that that's Disturbia. why i said that i want you guys to explain this to the audience jared sounds like a job for you really <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i just saw this movie for the first time yesterday um wait yeah, hold up for real yeah, uh, I, I haven't I haven't really dove into uh, much Hitchcock in my day. Um, same, but but basically, same. it's a it's a dude who's uh, who's who's like a photographer, and he took this really badass shot, which I, I love. I love that they show his shot that he took at the beginning when they're setting up his broken camera, his, his, his picture, his picture shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His photo. He's a photographer for magazines and shit, and he does like war photography. Anyways, he he hurt himself while shooting a a race car race, and he's been trapped, uh, you know, in a in a basically a half body cast, you know, one of his legs, and and he can't really leave his apartment, so there's no TV then, and and he's not really listening to the radio, so he says screw it, and he's watching the neighborhood. That's how he gets his entertainment, and uh, he thinks he sees the guy across the way uh, kill his wife. And like dispose of her body, and so he enlists his super hot girlfriend and uh, his his cop girlfriend, but, his but not girlfriend. Buddy. He doesn't dude, even want dude, her as a girlfriend. It's the worst relationship ever. I know it's terrible, dude. She's like making lobster dinners and shit, and she's dressing all sexy, and, and she's, she's all over rich, him, and, and she's, she's super Grace fucking Kelly. hot, and she's and Grace all he Kelly. Does is complain the whole time, yeah, dude. I'm like, bro, you don't even see what's in front of you, dude. Like, <laughs> well, that's like, kind of the whole thing in this movie, though. Like, there's there's several references to like. Oh, you're you're a peeping tom. Do you know what the you know what what you could get? You would get six months in the workhouse where there's no windows for being a peeping tom, and you know all these I like lines. Her. Yeah, I like that. All, all these lines really about nurse. like oh, wh- you know what what if you could be outside your house looking in at, at your own life, and what would you see in that sense? And like he spends he spends his the entire movie trying to see someone else's life, and he never looks at his own until Grace Kelly starts to be like adventurous with him and that's like the first moment where he recognizes her as a person. Yeah. But bro, he's a, he's, a, he's a photographer. No, that's he when he falls in love with her, man. Like when she comes back after dropping off that note, that's a look of love, oh, hell bro. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like that he's bitch like, is oh, bad. Yeah, she can fuck some shit this. up. Look, he doesn't yeah. know. He doesn't start paying any attention to her because also he doesn't even like. She tries to like kiss him, and he's like, "Excuse me, I'm trying to watch Miss Torso." She's so fine. <laughs> What's wrong with him, dude? But no, he, he like, doesn't pay attention like, to her until she goes. Because I, I, I checked. I checked. But he, she goes. She goes. You know what? I think you're right. He did murder his wife. Tell me all the details again. And you know what? You need a better detective friend. And he's like, Oh, well, hello. Come, come over here. And that's like the first time. Yeah, sit down. He's happy about them touching. Okay. Yeah. Because she played this ego, yeah. Kristen. She. Okay. Grace yeah. Kelly knew what to give a man back then. Okay, girl. Okay, can I tell you though why that's really bad? Because I would, I'm going to bring some costumes into this too. Because I know you guys are super interested. She comes in right wearing this amazing dress that she's like $1,100 just from Paris, which PS is like 10,000 or yeah, $10,000 today. That's how much wow. that dress costs. Oh my god. But by the end yeah, of it, cheap. no, this one. By the end of it, she's like, oh, I have to do exactly what he wants so that he pays attention to me. I don't know why she wants him, but whatever she does and. So by the end of it, she's wearing jeans and a shirt and pretending yeah. to read yeah. some Himalaya like adventure book. And as soon as he falls asleep, she pulls out her fashion magazine. Yeah. He's so fake. Ending, she's dude. so 
Yeah. Like she's not yeah. gonna be Grace Kelly in a few years. She's gonna be resentful and yeah. bitter and <laughs> nagging and like that's all, not how you do all it. The all the things that he predicted. No things that he predicted. Kristen is just like jinxing everything already. She's like <laughs> she, fuck she's just that. dropping the knowledge, man. That's all yeah, she's hey, doing. Bro. She's just hey, like bro. this is no, fucking true. No, but that ending shot is so perfect though, because she literally does. She's reading that book like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn about the areas that we're gonna go travel. Oh, he's asleep. Fuck that. Read my magazine. But I will tell you, I will say, I thought it was, I love the scene where she's like, look, I can pack light and like pulls out her nightgown. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That was fucking how, sexy and hot. Goddamn. Careful, hot. Tom. So beautiful. Careful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That next scene where Tom, where, where Tom comes in and does all that, like, are you supposed to tell your landlord if you have a back then? A, yes, 1954, bitch. brother. Nineteen fifty-four. So, so, so your your yeah. rent is dependent on your rent you, dependent on, on the on the on the occupants. Hey, Jared, you notice you didn't see into the anyway. bathroom? Did you also notice there there was no bedroom in the apartment? There was a day bed by the window, but there's yeah. no bedroom. You know why? Because you can't show a bed and a man and a woman in the same room. Wow. Standards at the time. Hey man, that was during our grandparents' time. Yeah. Look how much we progressed. That's okay? why, like, if you watch, we Casablanca, see full titties and dick right now. Humphrey Bogart doesn't have a bed but, but, in his room. When did that change? Because they used to do stuff like that, and then it was was I guess it was in the fifties, was it that the standards changed? That's when the production code started. No, no, no. I'm there was a man like, and woman in bed outside the fire escape. Okay, I don't know about like That's bedroom different. movies. That's not a bedroom. I'm That's saying, an open bedroom. Like, if you go but back and look at like. 1930s and uh i think 1940s too uh they were like way more liberal especially in terms like of clothing and like i don't know about i don't know about the bed situation what no 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 the bed situation was like that from day one it's like a codes ethic thing it didn't change till the fucking hippies started coming into shit and challenging shit and that's why we got the 60s renaissance american wave cinema coming through because a shit ton of people did LSD and got super fucking high and were like, fuck that, we're going to show some titties and dick, and here's Rosemary's Baby. And then people were like, oh, fuck it, I guess that's great. <laughs> Keep showing that shit. I'm glad you brought up uh, Rosemary's Baby because Roman Polanski yeah. totally ripped off the cigar smoke. You know in Rosemary's Baby when yes! like guys like, sitting in the that's hallway why and, and you, see the, you see the smoke enter from the fucking hall? Yeah, that's in this fucking yes! movie. Yes, that's why I brought it up, bro. That's why I brought I'm like, if I'm going to make a point, let me make a connected point. (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah, bro. Totally fucking ripped that shit off. But you know what? Polanski doesn't hide that shit. He is just like fucking Tarantino. He tells what his sources are. But yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, but the whole thing with what we're talking, you know, with the whole, all right, you know, tell me the plot or whatever it is. That was a fucking fantastic job, Jared. Thank you, sir. I didn't finish it, but it, you know, but people a get plus. it. It's all good. We brought you Kristen. <laughs> Someone is going to interrupt you. It's either me or Kristen. It's either Wahida or Kristen. You know, it's one of the girls. It's, it's, no, it's going to happen. But it's fine. I love you both. But, it's fine. You know, with with him looking out so much, and like what Kristen, you said, the dialogue with them going like, you know, or uh, sorry, Mike, you were saying, you know, you start looking in. It's it's it's. It's fucking hilarious that they gave him the occupation on purpose, obviously, of being a photographer. Because yeah, as a photographer, and mm-hmm. you're living your life as a, if Observer. you're a level photographer, you see, you gotta understand. Back then, there was no iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. There was no goddamn digital fucking camera from 2007 that you took and took pictures for fucking MySpace <laughs> on, bitch. Okay, that <laughs> shit didn't exist. It was fucking magic. All right. 
You being a director of photography was considered magic till the 80s before playback happened, okay? No one knew mm-hmm. what the fuck anything captured through that lens except the DP. That level was so elevated here. He, they were, to a certain extent, as high as a fucking director. And so for, the, for a photographer, it was the same thing. And for the 50s, when you're talking about, like, bitch, I know DPs nowadays that don't even, don't even understand what a fucking aperture really is, okay? Like... Seriously, we live in that world. Back Bullshit. then, that guy was a fucking <laughs> master, right? A master oh, no doubt. at that shit. So his whole life is, that's my craft. No one else can do it. So he looks outside, and it's, it, was, it was fucking so weird to like see the characters call him out on it and say you need to start looking inside and looking at it from 2020 eyes when we're going... A lot of people are spending too much time on social media looking on everyone else, but they're not really, mm-hmm. like, looking at themselves and what they're doing, you know? Well, well, so what's interesting to me about that is is when he goes to pull the camera out, like, the big lens is sitting in a cabinet, like, in a nice little bag. He's he, He's got one little camera sitting on the shelf, but it's got, like, a 20 millimeter or something small on it. When when Later, when he talks about, like, he's like, grab me that box and give me the little eyepiece... He says, I hope this isn't just, you know, photos of, of leg artwork or whatever, right? But it's from like two weeks before. So he, he's not normally taking pictures of these people. He's, he's just observing them. Just purely for the sake of like, I'm so bored, I need to look at something else. So it's really interesting that, that like he's, his mindset and his entire career has set him up to be, I'm looking at other people, I'm looking for a thing that's interesting, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to understand and tell a story of what I'm seeing, but he's gotten so enthralled in these people that he's just doing it in his head. He's not even doing it for anyone else's yeah. sake. He's not taking well, pictures but, of but, these but, people. But that's it's, strange. It's though. just the story. It's strange that he doesn't take pictures of the, of the incident. You would think that since he's got a camera, right. he'd be snapping photos of this dude doing fishy stuff. Yeah, he does it. Putting up his suitcase? Like, well, that's you know, the whole point. Like, you know, like even when he tells a detective, like, uh, you know, like the detective goes and detects things and checks up on everything and he's got an answer. Right, but still, I don't know. If I had a camera, I'd, I would probably take a photo. I know, or your 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 brain is <laughs> so enough. trained, like Mike was saying, <laughs> at looking also through keep that in lens. Mind, though, that I mean, it was film, and he might not have all of that. And even if he did, how long would it take to develop it? I mean, I don't know if he had yeah. a dark room there in his little studio apartment. It's probably pretty expensive too. Probably not. Yeah. So if he was going to take it pictures, probably he was couldn't in the get bedroom it like, developed because he was like so <laughs> fucking into his work. He couldn't fuck the hot blonde in his bedroom. That's why they have to fuck in the fucking living room because his dark room was there. But it wasn't ADA fucking approved, so his ass can wheel himself into his bedroom. That's why he's fucking sitting out there. And by the way, how the fuck did he piss or take a shit? If he was fucking closed up in a casket That's like that. That was my only beef with this for room, bro. Stella, help me take a piss. <laughs> yeah, that was the nurse. The nurse was there. Well, that was in between the scenes. I mean, he, he somehow changed pajamas. He had like full, well, sure. like help him change full length pajama yeah, pants pajama that he somehow changed. I know, bro. I need them to fucking show me how. Yeah, the but fuck, like their pants. How does that motherfucker pee? His... That doesn't make sense, bro. <laughs> make it make sense. He peed in a cup, dude. They just cut He's got it a out. Catheter, okay? he dude, should never see. His cast, 
versus how his dick is and how he needs to pee does not make sense, okay? <laughs> like, that is overlooked. Well, he our, needs yeah, details. Need details. Topics like I did not think would <laughs> emerge on this podcast. That have. Oh, oh, come dude, on, Brian. I'm totally going from Grace Kelly is the most beautiful thing this planet has ever created. I love she blondes. Is amazing. Thank you very much. Holy shit. So does Hitchcock. Her entrance, dude. Dude, fuck yes, dude. Her entrance Apparently. is just like, it's better. It's actually better than Omar Sharif's fucking Prince Ali entrance. Yeah, it's one of my favorite character intros of all time. Especially the uh, the the precursor shadow that yes. comes across the space. We're like, that what is amazing. this? And you can hear the yes. opera singer outside. Yeah. And like, yes. right when that goes yes. down, you see the shadow come on his chest. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what's happening? Dude. What's going on? Dude. Something important is about angel. to be revealed. It is. <laughs> Dude, I literally paused it and said to myself, holy shit. Oh, yeah. Dude, I don't say that about women, dude. I am a, a <laughs> single straight man at 33 years old. Yeah. I say that about Jared. Yeah, I don't say that yeah. about women. Every time I come in the room, he's like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> hell, hell yeah, Jared. That's why I'm like, hey, I'm like, office. hey, Wahid. <laughs> Hey girl, hey, you want money? You want your yeah. check today or tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> but but the audacity and the balls to be able to capture that on camera the way he did with that opera music, which is like a different technique. It's different, right? Because the soundtrack for the film is the soundtrack of the neighborhood that's being told by that one guy up there that you can't mm. tell if he's gay or not. Like, how 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 beautiful, though, is the submergence of the different layers of that life that how he brings it into the film itself. There was this part where they where they didn't even like really show her face. They were like it was kind of this profile, like like it was like just on her sexy ass mouth. Like and, and, and the way that she was enunciating and like using her tongue uh, was very. I don't know, man. She's she she's beautiful and like she's very she's very seductive and she's she's playing the fuck out of that scene. Yeah, and it's yeah. not like Michelle Rodriguez, like nasty hot. I want to fuck the shit out of you <laughs> yeah, in the back of the car. I get what you're saying right there. I get exactly was, what you're saying. This was classy shit. Like no, I am no. going to introduce but you. But the my same mom energy was there though. Yeah. I, I totally get that comparison. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Dude. She commands she commands a scene like that. Fuck yeah. yeah, dude. She stole the fucking whole 100%. film, dude. Yeah. Whoever That's the right. fuck you is the playing candles Jeffrey, before you start Jeffrey's making or whatever, he fucking sucks <laughs> compared to her. No, 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 no. There's a shot where she goes around and she she turns on those lamps. It's the very first one that we yeah, get yeah. into a medium of her. It, it's, it's, That's the same scene, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's seriously yeah. one of the best, like, composed and lit, like, shots in the whole movie. And it's so gorgeous and perfect. Like, the exposure, everything on it is just like, God, yeah. that's just such a beautiful shot. Yeah. I mean, the the camera's not perfect. There there are times where the stop looks weird, and and well, I'm not, not even that. There's one where they're uh, sitting next to the window, and like he berates her about like uh, fucking. Where he yells, "Shut up!" at her. Uh, yeah, and all that, and then, but then but then when she she gets uh, kind of appalled and she stands up when it cuts into her uh, her close up to move where she goes and stands. Oh, yeah, 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 so yeah. when she goes and stands by the lamp, everything's perfect, but there's something weird about that initial beginning of that. So, yeah. There's a spotlight on her. When she stands up, the light just kind of barely do, misses. Do you, do you want and, me to tell you what that is? Follows. Let's, go, let's hear it. All right. That is the proxy of not having playback on set for matching, and that's a pickup shot. You'll I find can see a lot that. of that in the 50s. I can totally see that, but 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 when she lands, she stands by that sexy ass like yeah. hanging light that they have. That I was like, fuck, I need like eight of these in my house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
But anyways, yeah, the, the whole design of the room is, is really badass. And uh, I, I like the way that they use the space. And then even even as they move around the room, you get a better uh, look at, at the actual location and proximity of all the places around. And, and you learn all of these other stories visually, like the, like the new couple. And, and the yeah. musician guy. Yeah. And then the woman who's lost her husband and she's trying to date again, but she's like, you know, depressed and all that. And then you have the whole murder scene. And then you've got the, the girl who's hot to trot around town. And she's got all the guys after her. And, and then, then, you know, there's just so much, you know, it's just, it's just neat. And you don't, you learn it all, but you don't really like jump into it like you would a normal film. Well, there's, there's so much visual exposition in addition to the, the good dialogue exposition where you're learning about not just like the physical space, but also the characters. And, and more than that, you're learning about his projection of himself onto the characters, right? Because he's, he's on the phone talking about like, oh, yeah, no, I should get married. And like you see the guy across the way that's going to eventually kill his wife, theoretically. Yeah. And he's like describing their life yeah, while you're just seeing it on the phone, that, being like, yeah, "Why would I want to do that?" It. It's so fucking yeah, brilliant. It's perfect. Well, that, that was the other thing when uh, he and Grace Kelly. She was like, maybe she uh, she said something like how she needs to like move into the neighborhood so he'll pay attention oh, yeah. to her, yes, or something like yes. that. And then while they're watching the woman who's entertaining like the four or five different men, and yeah. he was like, "That's gonna be you." Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> no, so that, I thought that was so brilliant. He's house. like. <laughs> He's trying to talk about this this chick, and she's like, nope, she doesn't love any of them. And he's like, well, how do you know? Well, you just said that was my apartment. And where am I? I'm not in my apartment. I'm in exactly. your apartment. But like, just, just that subtlety and that those implications of those lines. It's just dude, so dude, those lines, man. though, that, like, it's beautiful, too, because it was mm-hmm. so, like, yeah. I got to pull up my notes here. Give me one sec. All right. So, like, that particular scene that you're talking about, dude, Grace Kelly, like her character is so wise for that fucking time and that age mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. dude, it, like she just fucking – she goes to the blonde and she's like and, – and, and she turns to him. She's like, you don't know. And she goes, that girl has her work cut out for her. She's juggling wolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that she shit knows was the like experience. dagger in the fucking heart. Yes. She knows that fucking experience. Those are fucking wolves circling. And she's saying even back then, like, we are all as humans isolating each other from each other so much that, like, that's what we end up allowing in our fucking atmosphere just to feel any connection until the person we love comes around, whatever it is. And you later find out that, you know, hers was away at war or at service or whatever it was, right? But, yeah, she had to be around the fucking – she had to fend off those wolves her entire time there while this guy is across the fucking way from her and he has a different perspective of what her life is her his perspective mm-hmm. is this is a super hot blonde ballet dancer <laughs> that's getting fucking dick left and right and that's how her ice box is getting filled right that's literally yeah. what he's thinking he's like i'll give her some dick at some point when i'm out of this cast that is that motherfucker's dude's homeboy's point at that whole thing with her but then towards the end, when he realizes he's not much of a human himself as he thought he is by getting closer to the person he loves and recognizing that it's not all about just chasing tail and trying to fuck everything. And he sees that and he sees that fucking guy coming over and it was just a beautiful thing. Right. And yeah. fuck, dude, we don't even do that in movies anymore. And you uh, dude, I'm watching this. I'm like, dude, this is an enjoyable mystery film that also has so much <laughs> subtlety about life. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, it's, it's not a mystery. Hitchcock mm-hmm. would have a huge problem with that. It's uh, suspense, man. Suspense. That's suspense. right. Sorry, it's, suspense. Yeah. It's, it's seeing the seeing the bomb under the table as the audience, knowing that, Fuck that me. she walked out of the apartment 
while he's asleep. Man, that's so. Although, you know, Hitch- Hitchcock is great, but like we were just talking about the juxtaposition between the dialogue and you know what we're seeing uh, in his apartment yeah. versus what's outside, and mm-hmm. Hitchcock would always say like, "Oh, the dialogue it doesn't really matter. It's it's this is pure cinema. Sh- you know, show don't tell." But man, he uses dialogue yeah. like a crutch left and fucking right. Even when uh, Raymond Burr's character, <laughs> the ne- like uh, the Thornburg guy, like he's calling somebody, and Jimmy Stewart's like, "Oh, long distance." And it's like, yeah. Well, look, look at you, yeah. Hitchcock. You're sitting over here like talking shit about. Uh, I don't no, know, man. It's, it was no, 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 gotta, no. You gotta back call him out for that. No, motherfucker. Like back then, people would be like, "Oh, how did he know it was long distance?" And then you go see it again. Shit, like, I still oh, don't know how did he know. <laughs> yeah, he dialed four numbers instead of no, one. No, yeah, no, no. For long distance back then, you had to go to the furthest number on the dial, so your hand went further. And then, therefore, the arc, you're taking the uh, fucking I'm dial I'm just saying, like, Hitchcock didn't up. always, like, obey all his rules. Just always like when he's rules. talking about, you know, like, even in conversation scenes, like, no, it, there are times see, where bro, he goes seeing, to normal stop, coverage. Stop, seeing that in, hey, you're seeing that in 2020 eyes, bro. In 1954, no, not, people had to be explained to them, like, oh, long distance exists because it's part of the plot, right? Because no, I'm, I'm saying this is from interviews from Hitchcock, like, at the time, dude. <laughs> This is stuff that he was saying then. Ah. It's in the Truffaut Hitchcock manual that every filmmaker <laughs> he pulls out his Bible should have. Oh, oh my God, man! It's the best thing ever. Dude, that thing is. Oh, it's great. This, it's my fourth Holy edition Bidley. of this book, man. Wow. Yeah. It, they don't. Well, maybe they make hardbacks, but I don't buy them. Too cheap. <laughs> maybe if you bought one, you wouldn't have to buy it four times. Yeah, maybe. Oh. Uh, guys, Ooh. we ready to uh, to go on break here? I think we are, Brian. I think so. All right, guys, we're going to play the trailer for Rear Window. We'll be back. This is the scene of the crime, a crime of passion filmed in a way you have never seen before and as no one else would dare attempt. But the screen's master of suspense, the producer-director who shocked the world with Psycho. This is the apartment of a man named Jeffries, a news photographer whose beat used to be the world. Right now, his world has shrunk down to the size of this window. He's been watching the people across the way. Nobody seems to pull their blinds during a hot spell like this. He knows a lot about them by now. Too much, perhaps. For instance, down there on the second floor, the woman pacing about. He calls her Miss Lonely Hearts so lonely that even death seems like a friend. These are the newlyweds on a honeymoon no one will ever forget. He calls her Miss Hearing Aid, an artist of a very odd and strange art. The songwriter who plays the same melody over and over again. A genius or insane? This is the traveling salesman and his invalid wife. Out of their arguments and nagging comes a weird kind of love. Miss Torso, the body beautiful, that is, viewed from a safe distance. Those are just a few of my neighbors. First, I watched them just to kill time, but then I couldn't take my eyes off them, just as you won't be able to. And you won't be able to take your eyes off the glowing beauty of Grace Kelly, who shares the heart and curiosity of James Stewart, 
in this story of a romance shadowed by the terror of a horrifying secret. I just love that the that trailer ends with a uh, seat from the beginning, of course. Like, do people Shut normally the fuck walk up. in? <laughs> Shut, the fuck said, up. Shut the fuck up! That's oh not how gosh. it works. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> and we're back. That was the trailer for Alfred Hitchcock's <laughs> Rear Window. Now you go. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! Right, and back to one, everybody. And scene. And Mike, oh, go ahead. Tell wait, us so what you love saying, about this trailer. Uh, so you're saying we should we should talk about this podcast from the beginning, like we're supposed to watch this movie from. The <laughs> At what point does the the film watching experience get so bad that they need to put an actual thing into well, the trailer? Watch I, I from think- the beginning. I, I, I think I think at this time the movie's just played and you bought a ticket and you went in whenever exactly. it was playing yeah. and oh, then like so you could have come in in the it. middle and watched the end and then you stayed in the you know to catch the beginning of the next one or whatever. But Fuck like that yeah, shit. oh yeah, okay. That's, so that's kind of how it used to be. Alfred Hitchcock was the uh, the first time like when the Psycho came out in movie theaters. That was the first time that after ten minutes you could not buy a ticket to the showtime because before you could just yeah, yeah you could buy your ticket uh-huh. and you could stay and watch the you know the beginning movie if you came in like an hour later <laughs> god why you uh, wouldn't want to do that i don't know one movie in my entire time. life have i watched with with more than four minutes into the film this trailer was amazing they need to cut so more good. trailers like this shit Absolutely. that's what the psycho trailer was it was kind of like a tour of the set yeah but that was with hitchcock though you just get his back in this one yeah yeah, yeah. way better way better way better sometimes like him and you know, M. Night Shyamalan, they need to like take a little cues, like just just t- tone it down what? a little bit. On that Alfred shit. Hitchcock cameos <laughs> like, you know, are staples in cinema. I just yeah. compared the bitches to each other, all right? But I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. The fucking trailer was awesome, dude. I love that fucking trailer. I wish they do more of that shit. This movie does remind, like, the, well, the trailer reminded me, like, would this film exist if AC existed? Right, like everybody's no, got their. No, I don't think so. Their windows no, open that, and everything. That's that like a now. central premise for like that's one of the first expositional lines, right? Like, hold on. Uh, when I lived in New York, we always left our windows open. That was a thing. The only time you closed your windows was if you were on the ground level, because then the dirt would come in. Otherwise, because actually in New York, a lot of places don't have air conditioning. So yeah, oh. you would. You would leave your windows open, but also you can't see in them like this. This is all obviously a very lit, (laughs) (laughs) very lit at this this stage. Um, So you leave your windows open, but you can't, I mean, you can't really see unless it's night and the lights are on, obviously. Yeah. Really? So you can't like see the they don't have window hot units? neighbor across this. Yeah, I mean, so, I, no. Yes, but it's not like it's not like you put your windows units in it in like April to October like you do here because it's very comfortable for a large portion of the time, and so you can just leave your windows open because it's nice and there's a breeze. Bro. Yeah, they, they, you know how you know how expensive the rent is. You think they can run the fucking air conditioning? <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> so, let's see. So, uh, so, so, air conditioning or food this month? Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. What are we yeah. gonna do? <laughs> so, 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 Kristen, if all the windows were open, what's the craziest shit you've ever heard from your neighbors or seen? Oh, no, that it. was gonna be my next question. You guys oh, said yeah. you couldn't yeah. that. What was the next question? Or the next question was, yeah. yeah, no, 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 no. I was, I was gonna say like, what's the craziest shit you've heard 
over there, and I was gonna ease you into what's the dirtiest thing you've oh. seen. So the craziest, no, okay, um, I mean, I don't know, sometimes I get woken up in the middle of the night, and, like, there was one time, there was, like, this girl and a group of guys on a roof, and I heard her screaming like they were, like, gonna drop her off. Um, oh, shit. Um, what? Yeah, no, no it was crazy. And so, like, by the time I got to the window, like, and what am I going to do? Like, I called the police. She's already going to, like, anyway, they didn't. She didn't die. No one fell off the roof. But, like, that was, like, what it sounded like. Um, and she was, like, crying and very upset. And anyway, she went down, and they threw a bunch of beer bottles off the roof because there's our classy men, in case you hadn't gotten that memo. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. And then they totally. also the classiness went off. Situation. <laughs> that was probably the craziest. Um, and another time, I was woken up in the middle of the night. These two, it was a couple, and they got out of their uh, taxi car, whatever they were traveling in. And she, the girl was just like berating him. And she was just like, who cares if I fucked your friend? It doesn't matter. Get over it. <laughs> and like, he... Oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, hear... you know, we've all been there. Come on. Let's no, hold you on. Know. You, I couldn't Classic hear girl. He said, he said oh, something. Uh, he said something, and all of a sudden, she started screaming and crying. And was like, what do you mean you're breaking up <laughs> And he, like, left her there on the street. I don't know what happened. It's not, it's not my business. I don't know. So. He said, that wasn't my best friend. That was my brother. <laughs> I think breaking up is the appropriate response in that situation. <laughs> this film is very fucking amazing and poignant because Kristen did that in early 2000s and it still held true to what that fucking area is like. It's well, what this fucking film is like. I was going to say also, I think it's really... Um, applicable in our whole life currently with social media. I think this, this was brought up a little bit before because we're basically sitting in our houses, mm-hmm. you know, quarantined, watching everyone through social media, watching their Instagram stories or Snapchats or whatever your favorite social and media And judging is. the shit out of them. And judging the shit out of them just like he is out of these people. And as much as you don't like them, you're still like, well, where's the next update? What'd you do next? You know, and, and that's that's all that's happening is is we're just watching people and it's it's exactly the same thing. Except this motherfucker started a conspiracy that turned out to be true. Damn. Hey, man, it's like aliens, bro. Okay. No, he's just a natural detective, bro. That is all Twitter does all day long. Just go on there and see what they're starting. But that, that's all the stuff you want to post, right? Those are your ideas you want, The what you want to project. That's not like, I don't know. I don't know. It's something different seeing people in their homes and seeing that's their true. actual who they really are it's, it's much more of an invasion of privacy you think you think what he's doing well i i don't know i still think it's the same kind of voyeuristic kind of thing yeah he is invading their privacy but also their windows are open and they know that this could be happening um i, I think it's just i don't know i think watching people on social media has sort of this very similar thing i understand people are putting it out there and wanting to be watched but I don't think that people are really understanding what they're doing when they're putting their lives out there like that. Damn. Yeah. Now, now we're well, just giving I mean, it away. We don't, you don't even have to look in our, <laughs> our back windows, go to our yards anymore. Oh. Right. Our, our, our rear windows. <laughs> but isn't that the kind of one of the, the, the points of this movie? Like the script and, and what he's talking about is the voyeuristic nature of Absolutely. Americans specifically. And, and not just with, with like real people, but also that's kind of the crux of cinema, right? In, in a sense, it's, 
this voyeuristic like we're we're looking at these other people's lives we're seeing intimate ways that no one should ever possibly actually see and even when it's fake even when it's you know staged there's there's still an interest that we have in the way that we as an audience project ourselves onto whatever film that we're watching whatever tv show it is whatever social media we're reading like that's 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 the nature of humanity is projecting ourselves and our own emotions onto other people's experiences in order to make sense of our own lives or to forget our own lives in this yeah. this case of Jimmy Stewart right he's trying to forget his own problems like he has this fucking gorgeous woman coming to his apartment every single day and he's just like yeah no, 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 no you're fine yeah, yeah it's another perfect dinner oh good for you you made a perfect <laughs> dinner God, but like let bitch. me watch this let me watch this chick across the <laughs> courtyard when she, like uh, he acts like she's a terrible person. She's made this badass meal, right. and she's like, she's like, it's like this music is made just for us. No, like, he wow. doesn't act like she's a terrible person. He acts like he resents her because she's so yeah, fucking awesome. So awesome. Yeah. So, and he does say that, and he does say that. A B, she didn't make the fucking food. <laughs> yeah, her butler did, motherfucker. I know. I'm just saying, but she went. She went to the execution. She she went to the effort. She she brought their favorite place there. She she you know she's doing everything she can. There's know? a line because he's when he's discussing it with Stella the nurse, and Stella's right. like, "She's perfect. You're dumb if you don't marry her." He goes, "She's everything but what I want." So, mm-hmm. and some men are like it that. Doesn't man. matter how perfect she is. Cause That's how we are sometimes, bro. We have issues, okay? That's another one. Well, he, you gotta we wake got up and see. We got <laughs> mommy Kelly, issues. Dude. We got daddy issues. We got movie issues. We all got issues, bro. That, okay? That, that's a great moment, too, because it's a, another juxtaposition moment because Jimmy Stewart's, he's literally saying, like, how he wants this adventure woman. Uh, he's, he's saying that while this nurse is literally giving him a massage and helping him get dressed. And it's just like, oh, what are you talking about, brother? Like, yeah. look, look at what you're doing. Look well, at the position you're in. When she starts, like, she's like, oh, I'm going to go dig up the garden and I'm going to, like, jump into his apartment. He's like, oh, my God. No, you're not. What are you doing? And it's like, do you really? What are you? What are you looking for here, Jimmy? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, they're on first name basis. That's how, how, that's how badass Chris is. She time Jeff. traveled. And she's his like, name is Jeff. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> his name is it's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> yeah, it's James. Jimmy Stewart. Uh, that's what I'm saying. She's on first name basis, man. She's in his yeah. costumes. Fuck, man, I can't be LB. Why'd you call me LB? <laughs> Jeffries. Listen, Jeffries. LB Jeffries. <laughs> no, but that's one of the things I love about this film, too, is, like, he, he spends so much of the, of the first first act trying to establish himself as, like, this badass who's like, yeah, no, I stood on the fucking racetrack and, and got, like, my body it's fucked up shot. for the sake of taking a, a photo, which is legitimate, right? And then he's like talking to his his editor or whatever. Like you can't give my shit to these guys. Like they're fucktards. Whatever. But <laughs> I wish he said that. They're fucktards. See. Jimmy Stewart busting out fucktard would be awesome. And just they're just fucktards. <laughs> it is a wonderful give them life. my work. <laughs> So he spends yeah. half the film trying to be like, no, I just want, I just want to be with someone who is just as adventurous as I am, right? And he's resenting yeah. her because she's all these perfect things that he thinks she can't be what he wants. But then when she actually goes to do all those things, he becomes this like impotent, I can't do anything, right? Like she's over in the apartment and the guys walk and he's just frozen. Yeah, they. Crumble. He's like, should I call? Should I do? Should I shout it? Like. Like all of his, all of his, you know, like, oh, I'm all of this stuff 
when it actually comes down to it, he's none of those Whatever, things. Whatever, bro. He laid his camera in his lap. That that was his penis. Did you see <laughs> yeah, that shot? Exactly. That was exactly. Yeah. What? He totally did it. It was a phallic what? Like, penis. Yeah, he, he takes yeah. his camera and he literally lays it down in his lap and there's a shot. And it, it's like, oh. No way. Yeah. All right, Jimmy Stewart's got a camera can, dick. Can we, can we also <laughs> talk about how he's so completely paralyzed that Miss Lonely Heart, meanwhile, is literally killing herself, like taking yeah. sleeping pills and writing a suicide note. And he's like, and Stella's like, call, call the police. And he can't, he, he can't even like be like, oh, there's two things happening. He's just like, actually, the, yeah. she's probably gonna be dead, so don't worry about her. <laughs> yeah, Damn. that's no. one of those great misread moments, right? Because he he thinks that her writing her suicide note is like, oh no, he. It, Look at that. Stella was wrong yeah, about this. Like, oh, she's, she's, she's doing better now. She's, she's doing better now. And so yeah. I was like, no, she's not. <laughs> she's blogging at the moment. She'll be yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just got to get it out. Stella's like bringing all that female intuition to all these female issues in the building. And he's like, nah, we're good. <laughs> Dude, well, that whole that dude, that moment where where the where the detective talks about how uh, you know, how many times intuition. I've wasted on you know female <laughs> intuition, I was like, holy shit! Like, she should have smacked the shit out of him right there. You're <laughs> the first time I watched it, right I was now. like, she, she okay, did it like a champ okay. for 1950s. She took it with a smile and a purr yeah. and shut the fuck up and brought him a drink, bro. That's yeah, dude, the first time wow. I watched it, I was like, all right, this is a little bit heavy-handed. The second time I watched it, I was like, this motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, but that's 2020 eyes, bro. I yeah, guarantee no, 100%. you. Like, as a woman Absolutely. in 2020, that shit still happens, okay? No, it that's does. not heavy-handed at all. But Mike, Kristen, I was telling you this, too. Uh, Mike, Kristen, Brian, and Jared, I guarantee you, your grandparents talk to your fucking grandmas the same way that shit happened. Because my grandpa did the I'm same sure. shit. It, no, it, that's I mean that's legit. But see, like my my grandmother was a badass. She bought her own house, and everyone in her entire neighborhood was like, "Doesn't fucking matter, man." My grandma had the money. That? My grandpa was poor as fuck. My grandma's the one that had the money, and that motherfucker still told her. I feel like do. we're in rush hour right so, now with so. my daddy stories. With <laughs> 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 my daddy, <laughs> my daddy told me. You want my grandma to? By the way, Brian and I are matching right now. What's up, baby, Brian? I like we're that you guys are wearing the same color. And we're the same color. <laughs> I went to pick it from my closet. Same color. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> can we talk about this uh, this green that you guys are wearing? Because uh, Miss Lonely Hearts also wears green. And then uh, Grace Kelly comes in wearing green. And it's it seems like a thing. I wanted to point out, just I, I didn't look this up because... Um, almost everything when I tried to look at the costumes was about Grace Kelly and her the first dress. Um, oh, but yeah. I, I noticed Miss Lonely Hearts. Right, right, very fair. <laughs> I noticed Miss Lonely Hearts was almost always in green, and I also thought it was really interesting because she seemed to have like this weird law of attraction thing going on where she like mm-hmm. sits down and like pretends to have dinner with somebody and like. But it doesn't matter because her life is just shit. Um, but the green I thought was really interesting because green uh, symbolizes like love and abundance and like all of these like good things coming. And I was like, is this part of her like projection? Like I'm want like I want to get better because I, I don't know. I just thought it was a very interesting choice. And even uh, when she takes, I, I don't know if you take the pills. You don't. She, if she takes the pills, we don't see that happening. But at the end, when she runs out, she's still mm. in a green robe. Like she just is in Wasn't green. The inside the whole of her apartment, kind of green. Yeah. Yeah, there's like the, the whole the, the whole hue of her is green. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because And Raymond that... Burr's apartment is repainted green after he leaves. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
So, so what? Okay, Kristen, what do you what do you think is the significance of her being in green basically the entire film, and then Grace Kelly showing up and and I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. Um, because that is okay. Hold on, someone might need to refresh my memory, but um, isn't the, when she I shows think it's the third outfit green, that she shows yeah, up the in third outfit. Yeah. But is that the, is that when she brings her um, overnight bag? Yeah, it is. Yes. yes. Okay, yes. so I, I think that might be. I I'm gonna go a kind of along with the same thing. It, it's green historically uh, symbolizes love, and so if she's showing up and planning on this big overnight thing, and I know. Jimmy Stewart complains the whole time and he's like, you can't stay with me. I've only got one bed. Sorry. He's so um, taken aback. She's like, I'm staying the whole night. He's like, you're doing what now? <laughs> okay. Both Miss Lonely Heart and Grace Kelly also want to find a man. They're all, they're, you know, they're both looking for that. They're yeah. both looking for that because, I mean, Grace Kelly shouldn't be doing this because she's Grace Kelly, but she's like desperate for Jimmy Stewart. She like spends half to be mad at him and she even like storms out and is like, well, I'm coming back tomorrow. Yeah, she's like, I'm, gonna I'm not coming really for a really long, long time. time. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow uh, night. But they're kind of in the exact so same predicament. She so just has like a person there to complain and project all of her hopes and dreams that she ultimately represses onto him, whereas Miss Lonely Hearts has nobody and ultimately tries to kill herself, but they're kind of very similar. Well, I mean, that's, uh, all, all the characters are kind of really, they, well, except for the couple with the dog, um, they're really all kind yeah. of looking for love, right? You know, like, the composer's looking for some kind of companionship in his life, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, he's getting oh, drunk. Oh, and he ends up fighting, Miss Lonely Hearts is... Yeah, Miss Lonely Heart, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Miss Torso's waiting on, um, somebody to come home. The guy Rick to come, to come home. home. <laughs> <laughs> Even the uh, the couple. Yeah, right. Then they're having problems after like the their two days of sex or however. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting because you have all of these people who are so close together and they're kind like they kind of know each, they have to know each other, right? Jimmy Stewart at least is watching all of them, and yet they're all so lonely. They should they're, like they're all desperate for connection, and they're so close in proximity to everybody when the when the dog dies you know mm. she's like you guys should be ashamed of yourselves you, you sit here and you don't even know your neighbor you don't even say hello and it, you know that it's it's kind of an interesting thing where yeah they are all lonely and they are all looking for love and a lot of them do have relation the ones who are in relationships are not in great relationships but there's they're all like right there in like the same building basically that that for me that scene for me is the crux of the film right like like that little monologue to the world is is sort of i i think in a lot of ways hitch's you know monologue to us as an audience like how do you not know the people that you're that you live near how do you how do you spend so much time with all these people that you're watching like it's on a film but you're never actually engaging with as fellow human beings. That was his thesis statement, like of the whole thing. For was, sure. And that's yeah. kind of the same thing with social media. How many people are you watching every day that you don't interact with? Yeah. How many Facebook friends do you have that would right. not loan you money or help you move? Who, who wouldn't even? Who wouldn't even like come up and have a conversation with you? Let's be real. Like, yeah. why are you Facebook For friends sure. with all these people? Why do about, you let them watch your life? Exactly, dude. We're all like what Brian said. We're all the neighbors that he was looking at. We're all assholes. <laughs> what? All I didn't say we're all this assholes. This movie makes me feel like an asshole. <laughs> this movie makes me feel like an asshole. 
<laughs> but that hey. it kind of does, though. Like it absolutely does. That's, and I think in, in a lot of ways, that's sort of the point of it. Like you, no, that's you have not the point. Of... Though I don't think the point of the movie is to make you feel <laughs> like an asshole. Like, yeah. No, but okay, let me, let me finish my point. It's 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 to say like, look, how many of us are Jimmy Stewart? Being the asshole that's just observing other all, people and not getting us. involved in their lives. All of How us. many of us are the people who who are are assuming that we know what's going on with someone else? No, just I don't think that's couple hold up, man. I don't think that's the theme at all because there there's not once at the end of the movie where we're seeing Jimmy Stewart connect now with his neighbors at the end. When we go to the end shot, what is the end shot? The same pan that we have at the beginning, but we see all of our characters okay. interacting okay. on their own. I think all of this is a voyeurism, and like you're supposed, like th- let's think about uh, our shots and our shot composition. Like, how does a movie start? Right, we're looking at a window, and then like once the credits are gone, yeah. what do we do? We we dolly in, we truck into the window. We're going into that, and the, we see all those things. I don't think it's a. Uh, we need to connect with our neighbors. I think it's a. Uh, is it? I mean, they spell it out in the dialogue, right? With uh, Grace Kelly when she goes like real window <laughs> ethics. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily that we need to connect with our neighbors, but we need to connect with human beings. And I think Mm, there it is. The I think it was not well done, but I think maybe they were trying to say that Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly connected at the end, and that's why he was able to finally fall asleep. Um, I think it's a question mark whether they hit together at the end, right? Because she is reading the Himalayans book, and then she puts it down and she picks up the fashion magazine. You know, yeah. When she right. sees that he's asleep, it's like when a little bit of both. You know, I know you have the Sandra yeah, but, Bullock like you know relationships and extreme circumstances never work out approach, but <laughs> but you know, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm saying first of all, he doesn't accept her and her fashion and socialite and model background, and and she's like willing to just be like, you know what, forget all of that. Forget all of that because I'll be whatever you want me to be because I need a man. That's all I'm saying. No, 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 no. But, 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 but. Okay, okay. So, so there's that it. one caveat of that. <laughs> the, the other caveat is this. The other caveat is what is like? What if all of this is about like? Hey, look. She learned how to compromise because she wants to get something out of life for herself, right? Okay. Which would be marriage or whatever it that's is. Fair. And like, yeah, okay. you know, maybe that's what this film is about because, you know, that the couple, for example, with the mattress, the ones that like the, the, the dog, you know, their dog died, right? The first time we see them, it was so beautiful and bliss. And they're just sitting on that like mattress. It's outside. You can imagine like, oh, it's a breezy cool out. That's why they're sleeping outside. It's too hot inside. It just looked beautiful. You're like, if I'm an old couple, I want to be that couple. Sure. Yeah. And then as soon as the rain comes, they couldn't argue. That, sorry, they couldn't agree to who goes in first with what first and all that stuff. They were having an <laughs> argument on that step to yeah. go in there, which is hilarious because, by the way, just like a little nerdy thing, apparently Alfred Hitchcock had speakers in those rooms and uh, he no, was there giving in ear monitors, in ear monitors, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was giving one of them direction and the other one the opposite direction just to create a conflict. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> what brought them together was the death of that dog, right? And yeah. and and what it was trying to say to me, like this whole film, what it's trying to say to me is learn how to compromise to have a better life. Mm. And it showed it. It didn't have to. Sh- it showed it in a pan with all the other characters, right? So Miss Lonely Hearts learned how to compromise with... Except for the composer. The, what, what, the what composer's the never in the thing. pan. What's up with that? No, 
no, he is in the pan at the very end. That's who she ends yeah, up yeah. with, buddy. Yeah, she. Yeah, that's where it's that final shot starts on the two of them. Yeah, Mr. Is it a continuous together. pan or is it a cut yes. and then a pan? Yes, it's a no. no it's it a starts with them. Yeah. Okay, because it it's, it's usually a cut when it goes to their apartment for some reason. I don't know why. Because he's on the right side up there at the top. The angle, it's yes. Kind of a weird. It's a weird angle. Yeah, you can't start your pan from a pan on that. You have to cut to it, then pan back. It's just like, you know, physics, bitch. Uh, (laughs) Anyways. What? You mean he's cutting out dead space? Yeah. Where there's not going to be a building there for a while. Yeah, exactly. Cinema (laughs) physics. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. It's uh, it's like pure cinema. Whatever the production designer said, we have to fucking hit. That's what they hit, bro. Okay, production designers had a lot of fucking sway back then, too. But, uh, <laughs> anyways. Building that place, yeah, totally. Fuck yeah, dude. Those guys had final say on some shit. But, like, uh, yeah, when the camera's, like, panning, man, like, everyone learned to compromise, man. All the characters, even the newlywed couple with their arguments or whatever it is, you can see that they're doing it over breakfast. You're like, oh, okay, they're learning how to get it out of the way from the morning. You know, like... <laughs> no, that guy goes out <laughs> right to light a smoke, right? No, no, no. That's in no. the scenes before. The, yeah, at the, the final with, with the two of them, she's like, if I had known you would put your oh, child, that's we wouldn't right, have gotten married. Right. But she's still nagging like, him, oh, though, right? That kind of it doesn't matter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter, but they don't all learn. That husband is going to end up like Raymond Burr 2.0. He's going to kill her. And... <laughs> in, in the Hitchcock world, totally. Yes, <laughs> she's fucked, bro. Or, or she'll kill him, take the kid, and that kid becomes psycho. Oh, uh, even oh, worse. There you go. It's the, it's the prequel. It could go Maybe, either way, but it's gonna be messed up. Maybe Alfred Hitchcock was the original universe, and none of y'all, none of y'all motherfuckers, <laughs> are smart enough to realize that shit. I'm gonna watch every Hitchcock movie now. It's as all if they're the all the same universe. universe. They should be. It makes sense once you fucking start watching this shit in the same universe. It makes sense. Dude, I even have what characters can go from Psycho into Birds, bro. And then from there into Vertigo. I'll bring that up on everyone we're doing this month. All right, I'm going to think about it as if that's what's going to happen. I do have to bring up uh, the editing here. Uh, oh, my God. Please oh, really? talk about yes. from, please? from Mr. George Tomasini. Now, uh, there is one section of this film I absolutely love. I think it is a master class in editing and uh, scene montages built within. The montage when he's getting thrown out the window? Uh, no. Uh, it is. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm excited to hear what you're talking about. It's the section where the rain starts. And, well, it, it's, it's actually before the rain. It's where the murder happens. Yeah, okay. He, he, uh, Jimmy Stewart is sitting down. Grace Kelly, they just have that first argument. She walks out of the room, and, she and then the murder happens. You hear the scream. Jimmy Stewart's looking around. And then we have this series oh, where yeah, yeah, yeah. it fades out, and we fade back in. And then we're given these little moments where we see uh, Thorwald leave and come back with his suitcase over and over again. And it's just a series of montages. And then we even see like that. It had the time on it. Too. Yeah, right. We see the clock. The wristwatch. The yeah, wristwatch is so good. And then we, we get that one moment where Jimmy Stewart, the one thing in the film that the audience sees that Jimmy Stewart doesn't is when he leaves with the lady. Just to, just to add right. a little bit maybe to the mystery of did this guy kill his wife? I, it's such a right. – it's so good. Dude. That, that's really great. I got to bring up the thing at the end where they speed up the footage yeah. when people are running out. 
Yeah, I okay. Wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, no. all right. Well, it's it's old movies, man. I'm sorry. It's you had, just you had to add drama, bro. You had trying to, add to drama. really increase the it, intensity it felt, of the moment. Really? Do you think that's what they were trying to do there? No, they were trying add to speed drama? the. Yeah. No, they were trying to speed the shot up to get to but, get it quick. It, there's a couple of the pans of the courtyard. Uh, some of the stuff is sped up on those pans. Yeah, there's like four or five shots where everybody like they're running out of the other building across the way, and they're all sped yeah. up and. But like yeah. the, again, the context of how, why, and how they were running, they were going out to like see what yeah. the fuck was going on. Yeah, I know. So it's sped up for urgency. It implies it, urgency. It's sped up too much. It yeah. makes sense in the context of the edit. Yeah. It just it, it bothers me as yeah. well. But again, yeah. bitch, yeah. back then for it to be sped up, some motherfucker had to hand crank it, that shit. It was okay. just jarring, as what I'm just saying. But like, I know, you know, bitch. It, 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 it was like the same thing they did shit. in Mad Max Fury Road. You know, uh, they just did yeah. that better with. Well, they didn't do it better. They just did it with modern, better technology. How about that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have to fucking hand crank that shit, bitch. If you watch old James Bond movies with Sean Connery, it, this is a thing that's <laughs> very. De- they definitely have that yeah, in there. Always true. there. It's true. <laughs> it's always there. All right. So, still on this topic of editing, like. Just all the uh, all the all the the shots of from Jimmy Stewart's perspective, and then his his reactions. Every single one of those, just like every single time we we see something, and then we cut to Jimmy, and he's like, "Oh," and then they go back to see what he's seeing, and then and then you resp- you see him respond. I'm just like, "All right, did all we response. did we did we film what was happening?" And like Hitch was just standing there, like describing it, like. How how do you do that in such a way that that there's such perfect responses to each individual action? Like, was there playback on set? Like, well, it just works so well. Two cameras. Yeah, right. Like, how 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 do you get such such good? Like, okay, this is what's going on, and then he gets these perfect responses with with the eyeline working it so well too. You got a badass cinematography and a badass uh, script suit with a badass director, dude. And with a badass stand-in. I don't know if it's true or not, like but proper stand-ins. there's this urban legend that all the trims from the edit fit on one film reel. And a film reel uh, contains yeah, I heard that as well. 20 yeah. minutes or less of film. Now, I don't know yeah. if that includes the outtakes or whatever, but that's insane. Oh, wow. Which, to summarize really specifically, they only filmed 20 minutes of extra film that what didn't make it into the actual movie. That's blowing my mind. You tell me they didn't take multiple takes? From what I, I guess they did have to do uh, multiple takes, but from what I understand, like they, they didn't even shoot this over the shoulder going all the way through to uh, cutting to another over the shoulder. They just shot they each. Just, they just shot what they needed. Yeah, he would shoot it in each order. Each line had its own fucking, yeah, each line. Had, like if this one was on a medium close-up uh, of Jeffrey's only, and the other line is there. You don't shoot a master. You don't shoot any of that stuff. You shoot, but that's the proper thing. You know, you know, like Jared. I do that on music videos, and some of my DPS get upset about that. They're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I see it. I'm like, why, bitch? I, why should all, I spend I, you, you, an extra four hours on that? I just need these yeah. you know fucking need. lines from this fucking angle. No, I totally get that. I wish we thing. could do that more often. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ratings. Who's going first? I'll go first. What you got? Okay, uh, I'm sure most of you guys are going to go uh, a ten on this because you have a, pri- a previous experience and an experience with Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock is uh, somewhat new to me. I've uh, we, we've seen Psycho on here before, and I think oh, I've yeah. seen Rope before that. Uh, so this is my third Hitchcock film. 
I, I, I like his playfulness in this one. It, I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I'm, every time I see a Hitchcock movie, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised with how different it is. I, I thought he was more of a one note type person, you know, but uh, I, I was really happy that this, this, uh, this, this was way, way different than I was expecting. It's very entertaining. I, I love all the characters. Um, I, you can actually see the, the mastery in it. Uh, I'm going to have to give this, um, a nine. Uh, it'll probably grow to a 10 the more I, more I watch it, but yeah, man, it's extremely awesome. You know, yeah. Jared, you're giving it a nine. I just want you to let you know on IMDb, it is number 52 on the top 250 list. What do they mm. rate it on IMDb? That's what I said, IMDb. No, no, no. What do they rate it, though, when they're What's rating? What's the number rating? What's the rating out of What's 10? The oh, the rating? What's the ra- oh. Uh, 8.4. Okay, ah. so it's an, it's an... All right, so at least I rated it higher than they did. So yeah. don't give me shit. Rotten Tomatoes right, so. Damn. <laughs> Damn that's Some fine words there sir <laughs> Alright who's going next I'm going to go next um, So this is This is my first Hitchcock film uh, No way nice and it's, it's been a long time coming He's a baby this is, this is my favorite thing about not just this podcast But this group of friends And it's Everyone needs you. an excuse to watch great films um, and if you're listening to this podcast and you've gotten this far and you haven't seen a Hitchcock film, uh, welcome to the club because this is a fucking great place to start. Um, I give this a nine also. Nice. Um, I feel like this, this has so many elements of, of what I've heard from Hitchcock uh, or, or I should say I've heard about Hitchcock that makes him great. Um, watching it twice in the last three days, like I, I was kind of the second time I was a little bit. I don't want to say bored, but I was a little bit less engaged during the um, the second act. But the first act was like a fucking perfect film. The third act was just as engaging as I could help for it to be. Um, there's just so many moments in this movie that I, that I can connect with from a modern perspective, um, thinking about it from where they were at back then. Um, there are so many camera... Every time the camera moves in this movie, I'm just like, no, that's exactly what it should have done. I can't imagine anything else that should have happened. There's so many great things about it that I feel like I could I could watch this movie 50 times and still learn something new just as a filmmaker every single time. Um, that being said, it, it was made in 1954 and I'm watching it from a 2020 perspective. So there are elements of like, oh yeah, no, okay, all right. I can fast forward a little bit through this or something. <laughs> you and actually fast forward through yeah. things? No, no. Not fast forward. Just be a little bit less engaged. I was engaged. about to say, blasphemy, son. I was about to sl- <laughs> smack your hands. I'm like, you sit there and fucking watch this movie. No, damn straight. <laughs> man, I'm so glad I'll, you okay, started maybe I'll say this way. your Hitchcock experience with <laughs> this movie, this, man. Yeah, it's a good I, one to no, start it, on. It, yeah, it feels is. like a really good, like, all right, this is if, if this is where I'm going to start Hitchcock, I feel like it can only go off from here. Which is saying a lot because this is a fucking masterful film. No, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no. I mean, I, no, I, I wouldn't go that far. Like, if you watch Ropes, you'll be like, ooh, okay, cool. Like, this is way better. So there are other things that he's done that aren't as good as this. Rope oh, is yeah, just cool course. because it, it's it's like a long one take thing. Even though yeah. there's like one, there's a couple okay. cuts in it. Or one. I mean, the dude did what like seventy films or something like that. Like there's he's made more great movies than any fucking other filmmaker in the history of cinema, bro. Get out of here. All right, <laughs> Kristen, give you a your rating. Well, I absolutely love this movie. I love so much about it. I agree with all of the camera work. I am obsessed with the neighbors just as much as Jimmy Stewart is, honestly. And also the costumes are absolutely 
amazing, the dialogue and everything. But here's, I'm going to give it a lower rating because I wouldn't want to sit and watch this over and over again. It's, mm. it's not one of those. So I'm going to give it an eight. Wow. That's, that's a yeah. harsh critic right there. Like, yeah. I think it's, that's the thing is like, you know, I, it's not one of those things where I, I enjoy, it's not, it's not so enjoyable that I want to sit and just be like, let me see what Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly are up to. Because honestly, I feel like <laughs> they don't need to be together. So like, I don't I think that's a fair critique. Like Very the valid. rewatchability seems like it might go down a little bit for me as well. Yeah, like yeah. the first first initial reaction would have been like nine point five. Watching it the second time, that's why I'm like, Mike that's Griggs, you're a nine. filmmaker, uh, man. Uh, like just as somebody that's oh. like. It's it's going for a DP, man. You need to watch Hitchcock always more than once. Always more than twice. Always more than three times. And and, and you got to keep the same rating for all of us. Well, so, all right, so this is an interesting (laughs) discussion, right? As an audience member, which is what every filmmaker is going for, as an audience member, I feel like if the more I watch this movie, the less I would appreciate it as an audience member. Well, yeah, as a filmmaker. Surprise. Right. As a filmmaker, the technicality, studying the way that he does the blocking, studying the way that, like, all right, why does he move the camera in this sense? Why why do we change costumes for this character? All of those things, I feel like I could learn more every single time. And I could watch it 50 times and still find something interesting. As an audience member, I feel like I would get less interested the more times I watched it. So the filmmaker member part of you should bump it up to, like, 9.5. So, like uh, not, uh, not, 9.25 is a good compromise between the audience had, and the filmmaker. Had I, I watched it just the one time, had we done this on Monday when we tried to, <laughs> <laughs> I would have given it a 9.5. Honestly, That's I can say I that. Apologize. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Brian. He took a fucking whole half point off, bitch, Brian. <laughs> the one time I hold the whole podcast up. I mean, dear God. <laughs> God damn it, Brian. There it is. There fault. it is. All right. All right, look, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go. Waheed, you can go last. Uh, look, I'm giving this a 10. I think this is a the definition of a perfect film. I think this is one of the greatest movies that's ever been fucking made. The performances are all perfect. I love every single one. Yeah, maybe there's some things here and there that don't hold up to, like, time speculation. But it's a movie that's made in the, fi- the 50s. I mean, this came out in 1954, the same year that Godzilla came out in Japan. Which Raymond ooh, Burr also starred ooh, in the, uh, you know, like uh, the Americanized edit version. So I, I don't know. It, to me, this is where Hitchcock became Hitchcock. This is the most Hitchcockian movie. Mm. This is where you should start with Hitchcock. This is the one. This film, I, I think, as, as a, a younger filmmaker, taught me more about editing and how to just like you need to take your time and pick the right reaction shots for certain things and how important that is. It's masterfully done. It's beautifully shot. The score, the soundscape, like, oh man, like, like, like when they're getting arguments with their wives, you can hear ambulances in the background. Like, how fucking awesome is that? The motherfucker thought the sound designer was like, you know what? We're gonna put ambulances back here. Yeah, it, it's distressing. Well, that's amazing. You know, and just the way that that song evolves, that the composers write. Like, like at the end of the movie when we're going through that that huge ass shot and. We're hearing this composer the entire time who's writing this one song over and over again. When we finally get to the end of the, the movie, there's even a line in the movie where they, they say uh, 
Grace Kelly says something along the lines of like, oh, that you know, I feel like that music's being written for us. And it's like, it is, yeah. because when you get to the end credits, it's literally like, Lisa, <laughs> it is written for you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just so amazing. Like, everything is perfect. Like, when you go back and you watch it again, like, I just, I, I get so much out of rewatching this movie. Like, I get to see all the details that Hitchcock puts in between all these different people and how that juxtapositions to not only what Jimmy Stewart's feeling, but what Grace Kelly's feeling and the differences between what characters are saying and what we're being shown on screen. This is a masterpiece, dude. I mean, this is like fucking top five Hitchcock for me. <sighs> it's great. Yeah. Wahid. Okay, Brian. Okay, Brian. Okay, I'm sorry. You, you, you've talked me up to a 9.5. Yeah, you've talked me like up to a 9.5. I feel like I need to readjust my score. I feel like, I've, I, yeah. feel like I need to I give mean, it a 9.5. We, we didn't even talk about all the diegetic sound. Uh, the, okay. the entire score for this fucking movie is just, it's it's all in in camera. The, the sound is amazing. Brilliant. There's like one scene where Jimmy is um, watching the the neighbor, and he's just like horrified, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Like this is just more evidence, more evidence. And I love it because there's children playing in the background, and you can hear the kids like, yeah. you know, you're right, you're absolutely like, right. Yeah, yeah, I was like, that's perfect. I love that. I would love honestly to have like a horror movie with just like kids playing in the background. <laughs> yes, Dude, there's awesome. so much. <laughs> there's a lot of that shit. <laughs> There's a lot of that that's visual. There's one of the shots where we're oh, looking yes. at one of the windows, and you can see past and then down into a down into Dude, a bar, and there's like every people... single fucking close up. There's people playing in the background and moving yeah. around and doing like, their things like on the other side of the building. Like yeah, and they're real tiny in the frame, and they're over there yeah. doing something. Like it's yeah. insane it's the amazing. detail. Yeah. All right, Wahid, well, wait. What's your rating? I mean, like fuck all of you guys. <laughs> you, you go like Give it a six. oh, Wahid, you go last. Like, what, how am I supposed to follow your shit up? Like, I'm going to give it a 10, obviously, for fuck you, everything. Like, you don't have to. I, you don't, like, you don't have the, to. No, I well, am Well, hey, give it a 6. You can be a sour if you want to. I mean, it's a free country, right? No. Fuck you guys. Yes, it is a fucking free country. This is a 10 for me. I just have nothing else to say on top of the fucking monologue you just fucking wrote That's why yourself, I went first. Dick. <laughs> Motherfucker. So yeah, the twelve it's people. That's the best system. part to be. Take what Brian said, system. multiply it by a million. That's why I love it. Fuck you, Brian. I'm gonna mm. one up you. Mate, well, you. <laughs> you guys had, had different takes on the humanity themes and and things that that I just interpreted more as voyeurism. So I mean, there's things, bro. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's almost like you know, we're all bringing our own emotions and projecting it onto the film in a certain no, way. No, man, it's, it's, look, Ooh, it's, 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 like... it's brilliant Ooh, in I'm the way that. that it does shit, right? It's brilliant because, like, how Brian is I feeling it right now about what you're saying. Yeah, it's brilliant, right? Because what does it do? It has social commentary that still lasts 70 years later. Right, true, and it's it's amazing, and it's predicting where we were going as a species, you know, because that's the time where baby boomers were coming. So there were projections mm. like, oh hey, you know, by the year two thousand, we may hit three billion. Dude, I was alive when that fucking baby came out, and we hit that, and that number was there. I remember it. it's ingrained in my fucking head, and now we doubled that since I was like twelve. Okay. Wow. So what it, this film is saying is, we as society are doing this. We are separating from each other. You take your right hand, your left hand, you bring them as close as you can to each other, and then move them as far away as you can. 
And that's what we do every single fucking decade. And this film was talking about it way back then. I do notice nobody brought up uh, politics and how nationalism has been on the rise. Well, I didn't want to bring that up because that's a long conversation. Uh, yeah, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah, I want to enjoy this <laughs> film for what this film is. It's beautiful. I'm just going to keep it there. It's a 10 for me. And on that note, taxpayers, uh, this has been the Movie Crew Podcast. If you guys want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's the Movie Crew, crew spelled C-R-E-W-E. That's right, extra E at the end of the word crew at gmail.com. You guys can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Movie Crew Pod. Jared. Where can our audience follow you, good man? You can find me on Instagram at CheckTheGate, on Twitter at Jared B. Callen, and on Apple Podcasts with my other fine podcast, Tour Stories. Come check us out. You guys should definitely do that. And, Wahid, where can they follow you? Um, WA Films on everything and WAFilms.com. And, Mike, where can they follow you, good man? I am on the Twitters and the Instagrams at Griggsy Media. That's G-R-I-G-G-S-Y Media. And Kristen, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at Kristen Magdalene. Awesome. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Elkins Edits. And we are going to be closing out the show tonight with... uh, I guess we're going to have to play the music from the front. There's no soundtrack for this film. It's never been released, as far as I can tell. Uh, so we're going to play the opening. That's Amore as a song in this film. You can play You can Is play this going to be our first silent podcast? <laughs> it just ends yeah, kind for of. three can, minutes. We can it's just, just have, like, silent. street noise played out. Street noise. Yeah. Just play the movie under the podcast. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to play the street noises of New York from 1954. <laughs> No, we're it's not doing that. by Jared and his brother. <laughs> we're time traveling. We're going to play some of the uh, the beginning jazz intro. And this is from composer Franz Waxman. Enjoy.
When you wake up in the morning, do you feel tired and run down? Do you have that listless feeling? I couldn't even make fun of the rear. I'm like, ah, <laughs> Oh, you can always make fun of the rear. He had it locked and loaded. He was ready for that. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, oh, I've been waiting on that shit for like this Monday, bitch. Come on. All right. He said window. Ah.